you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Daniel, and we will be in chapter number 7 tonight. We'll finish chapter number 7. A lot of what we get in 7 is a repeat of what we got in uh, the, or the last part of 7, is a, a repeat of what we got in the first part of chapter 7, because it's the interpretation of the dream that we've, we've already looked at. Uh, if you remember, uh, in the last few studies, uh, uh, Daniel had had this dream of four beasts. And there's a couple of interpretations. Actually, there's several interpretations of who those beasts are. Uh, a lot of expositors believe that there's, it's just a repeat of Nebuchadnezzar's dreams. And these four beasts are the four empires that rule uh, over history. Uh, I tend to differ with that and, and agree with those expositors that believe that the beast are the beast of the last time. They're, they have powers in the last days. And these beasts, uh, more than likely, uh, are engaged in a war at some point. And from that war, the residue of that war, the Antichrist rises, the kingdom of the Antichrist. And the Antichrist uh, becomes the leader of that kingdom. And, and I, I believe that's what we're going to see here tonight as, as we look at uh, the interpretation of the dream. Uh, but do, you remember, I mean, the focus of chapter 7 is really not on the beast. The focus on chapter 7 is on the ending of the story. And the ending of the story is what? God wins. God wins. That's the ending. I can tell you right now. Jesus is coming back and he's going to destroy the beast. He's going to destroy the Antichrist. And he's going to cast the Antichrist and, and, the, and, and uh, he's going to chain the devil and cast the Antichrist into, into hell. So, so uh, that's what we're, we have to look forward to. And that that's, was given to us in the middle of this prophecy. Uh, and... and uh, but this beast is a terrible beast. I mean, look, go back and look at verse number 7. Verse number 7, it says that, After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong. What does it mean by exceedingly strong? Stronger than any other empire that has ever existed on this earth. Stronger than Rome. Stronger than Nazi Germany. Uh, stronger than England. Stronger than the United States. Stronger than, any, stronger than Babylon or any of these other empires that we look at in history. I mean, dreadful and terrible. Not just strong, but dreadful and terrible. When you think of Rome, uh, you think of a dreadful and terrible uh, empire. But this empire is exceedingly dreadful and terrible. I mean, beyond anything we could possibly imagine. Uh, and, and he says it had huge iron teeth, which are... I think he's speaking of the military and the military equipment. And it was devouring, breaking in pieces, and trampling the residue with its feet. It was different from all the beasts uh, that was before it, and it had ten horns. And those ten horns, it means it's made up of ten leaders who are subservient uh, to the Antichrist. Now, as we come to the last part of chapter 15... Uh, uh, Daniel's going to be given the interpretation and uh, I'm, I'm chapter 7 as we come to the last part of, I'm sorry chapter 7 there's no 15 in Daniel to verse 15 Daniel's going to be given the, the, the interpretation of the, the vision and the dream and uh, uh, he's going to repeat some of the stuff we've already looked at but let's, let's pick it up in verse number 15 it says I Daniel was grieved in my spirit within my body and the visions of my head trouble me now it's interesting to me 
that Daniel is deeply troubled. Uh, he's not only troubled, he's grieved by what he sees. Because if you look at the, look at the verses that precede verse 15, that's where we, we're told about the victory that God has over this fourth and final beast. And so you got to wonder why Daniel is so troubled and so grieved uh, uh, in, 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 when he knows how it's all going to end, that, that God's going to win, that the saints are going to win. I'm not talking about the New Orleans saints. They, they don't ever win. Uh, I'm talking about the saints of God. Now, who are the saints of God? Who, when he's talking about the saints of God, who, who is he talking about? Well, in the Hebrew, that means heavenly ones. Heavenly ones. And I, and, and I think it can mean the saints who are in heaven and the saints who are on earth. The holy ones we, would be the New Testament, Testament uh, translation of that. Uh, but in the context that we're looking at, I believe he's talking about the saints who are uh, not the ones in heaven, but the ones who are on earth. Now, so why is this vision so troubling to Daniel? Well, he had a vision not only of God's victory, but of the seven years of the great tribulation. And Man, all you have to do, I mean, we, when we read Revelation, we know exactly how the book of Revelation ends. You read chapter 21, and you know how it ends. And it's a great chapter, and chapters 1 through 4 are great chapters when you see the Lord on His throne. Chapter 5 is a great chapter. But in the midst of that, when you get a view of what goes on on earth during the great tribulation, i got to tell you, it's troubling. And it will grieve your heart to realize uh, what people are going through right now and what they're going to go through in the great tribulation. You look at somebody like Sabid Abedini and you think, well, you know, one day he's going to be in heaven. Does that change the fact that he's suffering now in prison? I mean, doesn't it trouble you that he suffered in prison? Doesn't it grieve your heart that, that a man of God like that is suffering in prison? Well, Daniel felt the same way. I mean, even though he knew how the outcome of the story was going to end, it troubled him to see what was going to happen to the saints, the holy ones of God, and the heavenly ones of God, and also to see what was happen, going to happen to the nation of Israel during those seven years. And it was very, very troubling. I mean, he lived in troubled times. I mean, he lived under one of those brutal empires. He had lived under the previous brutal empire. He had seen Israel go into captivity. And this great tribulation is so bad that even though he knows the outcome, he's deeply troubled. I mean, what he sees in that vision is worse than what happened during the Holocaust to the Jews. It's worse than that. And I mean, not only are the saints of God uh, massacred, so are many of the people of Israel. And so, obviously, it's, it's, it's very, very troubling. Now, look at verse number 16. I came near to one who, of those who stood by. And ask him the truth of all of this. So he told me and made known to me the interpretation of these things. Now, you know, that's really uh, an interesting uh, first phrase there. He says, I came near to one of those who stood by. I mean, he was in his dream and, and seeing his vision. And he was standing by somebody. Who was he standing by? Well, we're going to see later on in Daniel, he's going to stand by the Lord. We're going to see him standing before the Lord. 
Well, I don't think it's the Lord here because I think he would mention it there. Uh, it, we're going to see in the next chapter, he's going to be uh, talking to the angel Gabriel. I don't think it's the angel Gabriel because he doesn't know, uh, he doesn't mention the angel Gabriel. So who is it? I mean, who is he standing by? Well, I believe it's one, one, of, the, one of the saints, one of the saints in heaven, one of the saints that's gone on to heaven. And he's standing there and, and, and uh, he's going to give him the interpretation. Uh, and here's, he begins the interpretation. These great beasts, verse number 17, which are four, are four kings which arise out of the earth. Now, I'm not going to go into detail about who those four beasts are. We've already looked at that uh, in our first session on chapter number seven. Uh, if you, you weren't here, get the tape and, and, and I gave you my theory on it. You know, uh, yeah, there's a lot of theories on who those four beasts are. But, but uh, you know, if you want my theory, you can get the tape and look at that. But uh, this fourth beast, this fourth beast is the beast that the Antichrist rules. It's the kingdom of the Antichrist. All right, and that's the one that he's going to focus on. He says in verse number uh, 18, he says, But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom. So right in the middle of his interpretation, what does he do? God, he says again, God wins. He says, well, you, Daniel, you're troubled about something. But hey, man, let me tell you how this works out. He, he says, but the saints of the Most High receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. I mean, that's as far out in eternity as you possibly can, can go. You go out 10 million years and you haven't even started eternity. And the saints are still going to be possessing the kingdom during that time. So, so, so he gives him a really encouraging word right here. And, and uh, uh, basically what he's telling him is this. The most important character in your dream was not the Antichrist. Uh, the, the greatest empire in, was not the empire of the Antichrist. Or the greatest beast was not the empire of the Antichrist. The greatest kingdom is the kingdom of God. And, and the most important event isn't in your dream isn't the great tribulation. The most important event in your dream is the second coming of Jesus Christ. And the saints... Uh, aren't wiped out even though it looks like it in your dream during, during, uh, during the, their persecution. No, they're going to arise to inherit the kingdom and they're going to live forever and ever and ever. No matter how bad things get, they're going to live forever and ever and ever and ever. That's a good deal, huh? Verse number 19. Then I wanted to know the truth about the fourth beast. See, Daniel's still focused on that fourth beast. Still focused on that fourth beast. I mean, that had to be an astonishing vision for him to have seen the ancient of days and seen the dominion of the saints and told about the dominion of the saints and the dominion of Jesus Christ. And man, he still wants to know about the Antichrist. He wants to know about the fourth beast. Kind of reminds me of a lot of people on... Uh, you know, that I talked to today. There's a lot of people that are, that are, I think, more interested in prophecy than they are in, in Jesus Christ himself. And there's a danger there. Certainly Daniel was a great man of God, and if he can get away with it, we can too. But, but there is a danger there. So he said, Then I wish to know the truth about the fourth beast, which was different from all others. Exceedingly dreadful. The beast, again, are nations or empires. 
And this is the most dreadful empire that has ever existed with teeth of iron and, and its nails of bronze, which devoured and broken pieces and trampled the residue with its feet. So here's this terrible empire that has dominion over the earth, worse than Nazi Germany, uh, worse than Russia today. You see Russia doing crazy things today, a lot worse than that. Uh, exceedingly dreadful, and it tramples over the other three beasts and uh, the other nations, and they become residue under its feet. And out of those, that residue comes the kingdom of the Antichrist. We're looking at verse 20, and that kingdom has ten kings. Look, verse 20, and the ten horns that were on its head, and the other horn which came up before, before which three fell, the three horns of the three kink beasts, the, the other three beasts that are now residue, namely the horn which has eyes and a mouth which spoke pompous words whose appearance was greater than his fellow. So these horns are kings. They represent kings. The little horn is who? The Antichrist. Three horns are gone and ten are left. And, I, and, and, and the Antichrist rules over those ten. So uh, uh, you know, the, the, what, whoever you believe the beasts are, let's say they are England, let's say they are Russia, or it's a Muslim caliphate, They're, they, through, a, through a war within themselves, uh, the Antichrist arises, and, and uh, he has this one world order, and, and it's made up of ten regions, ten kings, and he is the ruler over that one world order. It exactly parallels what we see in the book of Revelation worded differently. Remember I told you last week, there's aren't, these aren't quote, in Revelation doesn't quote Daniel. Uh, it almost sounds like John is paraphrasing Daniel, but actually what John is doing, he's set, writing down what he saw just like Daniel did, and he saw the same thing Daniel did, so they're going to look, those, those prophecies are going to look very similar, but not exactly the same. Then verse 21, I was watching, and the same horn, the Antichrist, was making war against the saints, and prevailing against them. So here's three things we see about the Antichrist. He speaks these pompous words against God. He makes war with the saints. And he prevails against them. I mean, it looked like he's going to win. And that's why it was so troubling to Daniel. Even though Daniel's told over and over again that, that he doesn't win, that God wins, it looks like he's going to win. See, that's exactly the scenario that John saw and recorded in Revelation 13, let me just read you part of that. Revelation 13, 7, you don't have to turn there. It was granted for him to make war with the saints, same thing, to overcome them, and authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. So he, he's, he, every tribe, tongue, and nation means that we have a one world order. Now, then in verse number 22, look at verse number 22. Until the Ancient of Days came, here we get the Ancient of Days came. Now that's interesting. If you read the New Testament, who comes back to save the day? Who comes back to save the day? If you don't know that, you're in trouble. <laughs> or you're asleep. Who comes back to save the day? Jesus comes back to save the day. Well, Daniel sees a different character come back to save the day. He sees the Ancient of Days come. No, it's not a different character, is it? Who is the Ancient of Days? Jehovah God. Who is Jesus Christ? Jehovah God. 
Daniel knew nothing about Jesus Christ. John knew all about Jesus Christ. So that's why you, when, you're, when you compare the two visions, uh, Daniel's going to be speaking of the Ancient of Days and the Son of Man, whereas, whereas John's going to be speaking of Jesus Christ in both cases. So the ancient, he says, until the Ancient of Days comes and judgment was made in favor of the saints most high and the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. Again, this is all about good news. This isn't bad news. I mean, yeah, there's a break of seven years where things really get bad. Yeah, things up until those seven years were pretty bad. We're living in days that are pretty bad. But this isn't bad news. This is great news. Knowing what we know. Now, we, we, we're, we're centuries and centuries and centuries uh, past the days of Daniel. Daniel had to wait a while for all this to happen. So you can see why maybe he was troubled maybe more than we are. We're right on the brink of the Ancient of Days coming back. We're right on the brink of the Great Tribulation, but we're right on the brink of the Second Coming of Jesus Christ too. So the Ancient of Days and Jehovah are the same, and Jesus is Jehovah. And he comes with the saints to save the world. And he gives possession of the kingdom. He has dominion over, over everything, but he gives possession of the kingdom to his saints. I mean, that's good news. Verse number 23. Then he said, the fourth beast shall be a fourth kingdom on the earth, which shall be different from all the other kingdoms. And it shall devour the whole earth. Same thing John said in Revelation 13, 7. And trample it and break it into pieces. I mean, it will devour the whole earth. It will consume the whole earth. In other words, the whole earth will become part of its kingdom. It will, divide, it will destroy everything on the earth, but it will devour up all the governments and all the nations and all the peoples will come under the rule of this beast, of this Antichrist. And it will be the most powerful empire that has ever existed on earth. I mean, greater uh, and more powerful and more brutal than Rome. Uh, and... and uh, uh, it's going to do what Hitler tried to do in World War II. Hitler tried to conquer the world and bring in a one world order. That was his plan. That was his ultimate plan. And, he, and to kill the Jews. I mean, I wonder who's behind all of that. The plan's the same, isn't it? Hitler's plan was exactly the same as the Antichrist plan. wonder who's behind that. Demonic forces are behind it. Satan's behind it. Then in verse 24, he says, The ten horns are ten kings who shall arise from this kingdom. And another king, the Antichrist, shall arise. That's speaking of the Antichrist. There shall arise after them. He shall be different from the first ones. And he shall subdue the three kings of the three beasts. Remember, you got four beasts, the first three beasts. And, he, and the, the ten horns will be subservient to him. And the, I believe that he's speaking of ten regions. The world will be divided into ten regions. With ten horns, ten leaders who answer to him now look at this he shall speak pompous words against the most high that's exactly what John says in the book of Revelation and he shall persecute the saints of the most high no, he's going to persecute the saints I don't want to be here those people that say they, we, they believe we're going to go through the great tribulation I don't want to be here well who will those saints be There'll be tribulation saints, people that are saved during the great tribulation. That's what I believe. You know, if, the, if there's no rapture and we go into the great tribulation, I'll have to change my theology. But I don't want to change my theology. 
I would rather have a heart attack and be out of here and gone than to go through the great. I remember when I first got saved, I had this idea that I wanted to go through the great tribulation, you know, just be this super saint. Well, God showed me real quick I wasn't a super saint. And the longer I've been in this, the more I know I'm not a super saint. And I want out of here. When the Lord, I want the rapture to take place. There's no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. And, the, and, and man, you think the Antichrist is bad. Wait until God starts judging this earth. I mean, he's going to do things worse to this earth than the Antichrist does. And I don't want to be here when the wrath of God's pulled out, poured out on this earth. And it's going to be poured out on the Antichrist and the people that persecute the saints who are left here. The saint, the tribulation saints, the people who are saved during the great tribulation. Again, God can do anything he wants. You know, God might rapture half of you guys here tonight and keep half of us, keep the other uh, half of us and keep the other half of you here because you're, you are super saints. And he can use you in a powerful way during the great tribulation. I mean, he's, he can do whatever he wants to do. You might be one of the 144,000. I've met, I've met all 144,000 of them since I've been, been, I've had guys tell me over and over again they're part of the 144,000. So I've, I think I've met them all. <laughs> I don't think any of them are part of the 144,000. And we'll get into that when we get into Revelation again. But, but uh, uh, anyway, I don't want to be here. And he shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, and watch this, shall intend to change times and law. Now that part of changing the law makes a lot of people believe that the Antichrist will be a Muslim because he will instant, want to institute Sharia law. I, don't, I, 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 think, I think what we see happening in the United States today where our judicial system is... is has power over the legislation, uh, legislative branch. I mean, has total power over them. They just, they just overrule anything any state legislature votes in or any, uh, uh, anything Congress votes in. They can, just, they can just overrule it. I mean, that's not what our Constitution says, but they're changing the law. See, they're actually breaking the law and doing what they're doing. We have a president who issues executive orders. He's going to try to exec, issue executive orders for gun control, which violates our First Amendment. And I'm not here, you know, I, I've got one shotgun, and I said, I'm not here trying to, you know, protect my guns. I'm not worried about my one shotgun. They can have it if they want it. But the First Amendment was not designed so people could have guns to hunt. The First Amendment was designed so that if a tyrannical government took power, people could defend themselves from that tyrannical government. If the Antichrist took power, you could defend yourself from that tyrannical government. But the one world order wants to take away all the guns, wants to take away all the rights, and, and you see governments all over the world moving towards that type of government, toward a socialistic, communistic, godless government. And that's what a lot of Americans want today. And that's where we're heading. So the change of law doesn't surprise me at all. Laws all over the world will change when the Antichrist takes power. He's going to make every law subservient to his decree. And so certainly he'll change the law. But changing the times, how will he change the times? Well, uh, he doesn't want anything to do with Jesus Christ. And so there won't be any A.D. or, or B.C. 
he might come up with something like BCE or CE. You know, I mean, is that, I mean that, that sounds like maybe something the Antichrist would do. That, by the way, guys, if you don't know it, they've already got that. Why is that out? That's an Antichrist spirit. In other words, we don't, want, we don't want to name the name of Christ. So it's common era and before the common era is what a lot of people use now. So, so you won't name the name of Christ. So, so I don't know. He'll, he'll change times uh, he'll, he'll, however he wants to because he'll, he'll, have, he'll have a total uh, dictatorial authority over the entire world. One man. Who's behind that man? Satan will be behind that man. And, and just like it said in Revelation we looked at a while ago, he will speak blasphemies against God. Uh, and he will persecute the saints. Now, man, that sounds, all that sounds terrible. But how does the story end? God wins. Man, if I'm Daniel, and I had this vision tonight, I'd get pretty excited about it. But, I, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't living back in uh, the days he lived. Hundreds of years before Christ. I wouldn't, uh, you know, he didn't know about Christ. He knew about the Messiah to some degree, but not like we know about Christ. And so I can understand him being distressed, but, but boy, look at what we see in the next verse. Look at the exciting news there. But the court shall be seated. What court are they talking about? Talking about the Antichrist court? No, he's talking about God's court. But God's court will be seated, and they shall take away his dominion to consume and destroy it forever. I mean, I think that's the same court session that we see over in Revelation chapter 4. Flip with me there for a minute. Go to Revelation chapter, hold your place in Daniel and go to Revelation chapter 4. We see court and session there. Look down and look at uh, verse number 1. He says, after these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like the trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. Well, that's interesting that the trumpet blows, and he says, Come up. Just like when the trumpet blows for us, and the Lord's voice speaks, and he says, Come up. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven. The court's in session, and the one set on the throne, and one set on the throne, and he set, and he who sat there was like Jasper and Sardistone in appearance. I mean, poor John, how can you describe the appearance of glorified God? And there was a rainbow around the throne, and an appearance like emerald. Around the throne was 24 thrones, and on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. Seven lamps of fire, representing the Holy Spirit, no doubt, were burning before the throne, in this, uh, which are, the, well, he tells us, which are the seven spirits of God. And now the court is in session. And what's the verdict? I mean, what's the, what's, what's the verdict in court? Well, you want the verdict? Go jump to chapter 5. Well, I'll save a little bit of time here. Jump to chapter 5, and you'll get the verdict. Look at verse number 9. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll. Now, what do they mean by that? The scroll, you're worthy to take. A lot of expositors say that's the deed to the earth, and I think I agree with that. 
You're worthy to take the scroll. What happened to the deed to the earth? Who did God give dominion to the earth to from the very beginning of the creation? To Adam and Eve, to man, to man and women. We were given the dominion over this earth. And, and how long did we keep it? Well, we don't know how many years, but not long. Because they fell and who got the dominion? Who got the, the deed to this earth? Well, you know, God never, God never relinquishes authority. And that's where, I, that's where the, I think the illustration breaks down a little bit. But men lost their authority. And as far as God had given us the deed to something he owned, and really more, let's say, a lease. And that lease then was transferred over to the devil. But God still owns the earth. He's always owned the earth. He's always ruled this earth. But now, look what happened. And you're worthy to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain. Who's he speaking of there? Jesus Christ. And you have redeemed us to God by your blood, out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to God, and we shall reign on the earth forever and ever and ever. And then, and then, uh, uh, then I looked and I heard a voice of many angels around the throne, living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and blessing. So what's the verdict? Antichrist, you're toast. Who has the authority now? When did he win the battle? See, that's why we can look at this with a lot more uh, joy than Daniel could, because the battle's been won. The, when did Christ win back the deed to the earth? On the cross. He defeated, we're told very clearly that he, he defeated the enemies of darkness on the cross. And so he's got the power at any time to end this madness. Whenever he gets ready and when it gets really bad, he's going to do that. When the earth is judged, He's going to do that. So go back to Daniel now. And look at verse number 27. And we see the same verdict. The exact same verdict. Daniel chapter 7. Verse number 27. He says, Then the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people the saints of the Most High, His kingdom. It's His kingdom, but we're giving back our dominion. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey Him. Who wins? God wins. That's the story. Over and over again in Daniel chapter 7, we see God wins. But look at poor Daniel. I mean, that's good news. Look, but look at Daniel. This is the end of the account. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly troubled me. Where's his focus? Where's his focus? It's on the Antichrist. It's on the great tribulation. See a lesson maybe here? He says, my thoughts greatly troubled me and the, my countenance changed. Did it change? Did he get happier? No. He was sad. There's no doubt that's what he's saying there. And I kept the matter in my heart. I pondered the matter. Much like we were told Mary kept the matter in her heart. The same way he kept this matter in his heart. And he chewed on this thing. And he pondered it. 
mean, he saw something that, that was very frightening. But come on, Daniel. Man, I, I, I know it looks bad. I mean, you see this war between three beasts. You see the rise of the kingdom of the Antichrist. You see the Antichrist speaking these pompous words against God. You see him persecuting and killing the saints. You see a holocaust against Israel worse than uh, Hitler's holocaust. And, and it looks really bad. But Daniel, take your eyes off the great tribulation. Take your eyes off the Antichrist and put them on the Ancient of Days who's coming back to reign with his saints and all dominion will be his. And how's he going to reign? He's going to rule in truth and righteousness. Something this world's never seen. Truth and righteousness. I say the same thing to you guys tonight. Come on. I mean, cheer up. Things aren't as bad as they look out there. Strengthen, as, as, as the author of Hebrews says, strengthen your hands which hang down and your feeble knees and run the race God has set before you. Sure, the end is coming. But it only marks the beginning of a great eternity with the Lord. So I say, Maranatha. Lord Jesus. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank you for, for your word and the great news that's contained in your word. Lord, I know you give us prophecy for a reason, Lord. We, you, you warn us that we're to have our eyes open. We're to, we're to uh, discern the times we live in. Lord, we certainly would be fools not to see that we're living in the very last days. But Lord, our focus shouldn't be on the Antichrist. Our focus shouldn't be on the Great Tribulation. Our focus should be on you. And doing whatever you would have us to do in these last days uh, that you keep us here to serve you. Lord, give us a vision for, for that. Give us a vision for, for the work that you would have us to do. Uh, just show us exactly what you would have us to do. And Lord, we thank you for the encouragement we get through your word and uh, through our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for that we know who wins before, the, before this, this great tribulation even starts. So we just thank you for our our Savior. It's in His precious name that I pray. Amen.